God is awesome. Thank you, Melody. Say that again. God is awesome. Don't, don't ever miss an opportunity to give uh, thanks and praise unto the Lord. Hallelujah. We are blessed to be able to even do it. Even if you didn't, even, <laughs> even if you didn't have the opportunity, just go ahead and take it anyway. Amen. They've tried to regulate prayer out of school. But every time a test comes, I believe there's a lot of praying going on. Um, I kind of had, uh, I was, uh, I had something planned. I was still going to do it. But uh, I had something happen this morning. I just, uh, an experience uh, was rehearsed in my mind by the Lord. It's a, something that I've seen over the years. And I think it might have been uh, encouraged by a story, uh, an event I heard yesterday. Grandma was telling me a, a story, a true, true event. And so it uh, stirred something in me, but the Lord just really dropped this thing in my spirit this morning. And for years, I, you know, uh, I've lived here for years, and, uh, you know, I've shopped in the area, going into certain stores, and I rem- uh, there's this one person that I would see uh, over and over again, and every time I would get around this person, they couldn't look me in the eye. You know, they don't know me from Adam. I don't uh, go around with my preacher's cross on or my collar. You know, they, they really, I don't think they had any clue who I was, but they couldn't look me in the eye. They couldn't, uh, and even when they talked, it was kind of from a mumble, you know. And so I kind of pick up on that stuff because I, I want to bring people past that. You know, I want to lift them up. Because, you know, God lifts us up, too. And I think it's our uh, duty and responsibility to, to bring people out of the pit. I think if we can bring them out of the pit, we can bring them into the kingdom. But uh, for years I saw this. I didn't see any improvement uh, with it. And then one day I was, went into this particular store and this person was uh, at the register. They were being a cashier that day. And I saw the person's spouse browbeating them. You know what browbeating means? That means they were belittling them and just putting them down, saying all sorts of things I wouldn't even say. I wouldn't, just wouldn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> But I just saw them just belittling and browbeating and putting down and shaming this person. You know, and uh, I had a fight within myself not to do something. You know, because one of the things you don't want to get into is a domestic argument. More police have been hurt by domestic arguments than anything. So I'm debating I, because uh, that just 
the justice in me just wants to do something. And so um, the scripture talks about, I was talking about it with my wife this morning. She said, are you going to share this? And I said, well, I could. It doesn't really go with where I'm going, but I just feel led to do it. And so the scripture talks about, I'm not going to take, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it talks about that man is the glory of God and that woman is the glory of the husband. And I remember uh, hearing a message from Larry Titus. Anybody remember Larry Titus? You have to be old to remember Larry Titus. So, so Raymond, you must be old. But anyway, I noticed Cheryl didn't raise her hand. But anyway... <laughs> But anyway, uh, Larry Titus, uh, you know, I had, one, had a CD set, and he was talking about this particular scripture, and he was talking about going into a home where this, and they were having supper, dinner, and this man just browbeat his wife during the supper. And I don't remember, it was a while since I've listened to it, but I remember he said, that because, you know, the woman is the glory of the man, that, the, that you, all you have to do is look into the face of a woman and tell whether, how the husband's treating. The more glory the woman is able to portray, the better that man is treating that woman. So you better bring him around before you marry anybody, because we're going to... Okay. And so uh, my lightning-fast brain uh, started uh, thinking about, you know, Christ and the church. It's related to the marriage. Do you believe that Christ is going to browbeat the church? Do you believe that Christ is going to shame the church? Do you believe that Christ is going to belittle the church? And the obvious answer is no. <laughs> I'm going to relate this to another story. Yesterday, you know, I'm trying, I, if I don't drink half and half in my coffee, then my knee pain goes away. But you know, some things you just got to sacrifice, you know. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I, you know, I, I was thinking, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to straighten this out, you know. And so all day, well, I didn't have any coffee because I didn't have any half and half. <laughs> so, but I couldn't stay awake. It was just, you know, I didn't have any energy. So finally, by the end of the day, I thought, well, I'll make a cup of coffee and put coconut oil in it. So, and after I drank that cup of coffee, I started singing. <laughs> and it goes along with the previous story. But the song was, you raise me up so I can stand on mountains. You raise me up. To walk on stormy seas, I am strong when I have had a cup. <laughs> you raise me up to more than I can be. 
So in the church, God is always raising us up. God is always lifting us up. You know, we, uh, even in the Old Testament, we see where God in his mercy is continually having favor and mercy on his people. He is continually lifting them up and causing them. I want to I give you the last scripture of my, me, uh, of my message to you today because I want to make sure I get it in. It's, the last scripture is Philippians 1, 6. It says, being confident of this very thing. Now, I believe that uh, the Apostle Paul in writing this was speaking for God. So in my definition of this, God is confident in the work he is doing. He's not saying, boy, I just hope Matthew turns out. I just hope he, I just, oh man, I'm sweating it. Yeah. No, God's not sweating it. God is confident. Yes. Amen. That's good. He's confident in you, Sonia. How about that? He is confident in every person that he's working in. He is confident of this, that the very thing that he has begun, uh, he who began a good work in you, he will complete it. He has started a good work in you, and he will complete it. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You say, well, you know... Uh, just don't say it. Just believe it. <laughs> the good work he began, he will complete. He is confident. He's not sweating it. When I, I was a boiler, uh, operate, uh, boiler technician, sounds better. Technician, I was a technician. Or an engineer. I was an engineer. Yeah. A boiler engineer in the Navy. And we used to have a term called don't sweat the load. Now, you wouldn't understand that. The load is we had to supply 600 pounds of steam pressure. And sometimes at a temperature of 850 degrees. And you had to, you had to supply that. And so if someone was worried, we'd always tell them, don't sweat the load. The load is you don't have to worry about supplying the pressure. So I see a lot of Christians, they sweat the load. They're worried about whether, whether they're, they're going to make it. They worry about if they're good enough. They're worried, don't worry about it. He is confident in the work that he's doing, that he will accomplish the good thing he started in you. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, for some of us contemplators, what's a contemplator? We go inward and we try to figure out, we evaluate ourselves, we evaluate whether we're good enough, we evaluate whether we're going to make it, we evaluate what we did yesterday, we evaluate how we treated someone else, we evaluated how we didn't hit the mark, we evaluate all that stuff, and then we begin to sweat it because we already are putting it back on ourselves instead of being confident. You know, if God's confident, we ought to be confident in Him too. Yes. Do you sweat the load? 
You don't know. Because <laughs> you don't know what that means. Do you, do you worry? You worry? Well, God says be confident. Because the good work he started in you, he's going to complete. Amen. I used to sweat it all the time. <laughs> I used to worry, worry. I still do sometimes. But I have authority over it. I have authority over it. I don't have to worry it. I don't have to sweat it, Caitlin. Not one bit. Don't have to sweat it one bit. Well, how do you get uh, steam pressure? By heat. So you're sweating. Anyway, it's just a thought. And with all that said... I need to read to you from Colossians, which we already did the first. Um, and I want, Colossians 1.16. We, we stay in a position to where we, this is the way we stay in the position to where we know that God is working in us and for us, being confident. Because... In Genesis chapter 3, you know, this has been preached a lot, but in Genesis chapter 3, well, Genesis 1 and 2, God was preeminent. He was preeminent. He was, he was worship. You know, we, we sang songs this morning where, we, where he was preeminent. We worshiped him. But in chapter 3, Adam and Eve decided that they would be preeminent. The way we stay, the way, you know, and even if, even if some, you know, so, whether you believe it or not, you sometimes think you're preeminent. Just the thought. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat the load. Because he's confident that he can get you back. You got quiet. See, you can't even say. If you don't preach everything so positive, then people shut down. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I got this message. Because I was listening. Everything's so positive. We used to sing back in the day when I got saved, How Great Thou Art. Now we stand in the mirror and sing How Great Thou Art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great I am. How great. <laughs> he's, he's getting negative on me. No, I'm not getting negative. I'm just stating. stating. <laughs> but even at that, God's still confident. Because the good work that he started in you, he's going to complete. Okay, now that I got that out of the way. I want us to go to, oh, I didn't even go to the scripture I told you to. Verse 16, Colossians chapter 1. It says, man, I'd like to start er early, uh, farther up, but you just have to read it. It says, by him were all things created. Speaking of Jesus that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, 
dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. Say Jesus. Jesus is before all things. If we keep him in that place, we will understand and we will function and flow with confidence that God is working all things in our lives. But if we don't see him in that place, then we begin to worry about it if things aren't going right. Have you ever been in a, situa- in a situation where things didn't go right and then you thought, what's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. Just because things aren't going right doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. And uh, let's go on. It says, "As He is before all things, and by Him all things consist." Consist is like gorilla glue. <laughs> he holds all things together. Oh, my world's falling apart. No, it isn't. Because the things that matter are going to stay together. Is going to hold together because by him all things hold together. It says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. In all things, say all things. That means there's never a situation where I am preeminent. Three, three people of us are in agreement. Okay. In all things, he's preeminent. That means that I don't have to sweat it. I don't have to worry about it because in his preeminence, he is holding all things together in my life and in your life. And the thing that I have to be the thing that I have to keep aware of is that I need to be confident in that because he's confident. Because God is confident that he's going to bring it to pass, then I myself have to walk in that. Let's go to uh, Psalm 35 verse 27. It says, "Let them shout for joy and be glad." You know, I was in a particular church. I was going to mention. No, I. You know, when I was when I I went to several different churches, denominational churches, growing up. And actually, when I was in the Navy, I was in the Navy choir, and I sang at the Protestant church and the Catholic church. So. I was exposed. And so, uh, have you ever heard of the shouting Methodist? Well, I used to go to the, sh- to the board meetings at the Mes- Methodist church, and that's where I thought they got the shouting Methodist from, because they were shouting at each other. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that, but that's, that's the truth. Thank you, Lord. But you know, when it's talking about shouting here, it's not talking about just shouting. It's talking about shouting for joy. The Lord, the Lord got on me uh, the other day. Well, just brought brought about a scripture, and uh, so I just started laughing. Didn't feel like laughing. 
I just started laughing and, you know, it just didn't feel that. It just didn't feel right, but I just kept it up. Why? Because the, script, because the Spirit told me to do it for one thing. A lot of times we're waiting for, waiting for the feeling to move in the direction that God wants us to move. He didn't say, well, when you feel like shouting, shout. No, the Scripture says shout. Yeah, shout for joy and gladness. Who favor my righteous cause, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. It doesn't say he has pleasure in making people poor. He has pleasure in your prosperity. Now, uh, prosperity is, is expanded here beyond your checkbook. You should, be, you should have prosperity in your relationship, prosperity in your marriage, prosperity in your relationships in the community. The uh, other scriptures say, uh, I think, it, um, think it's Psalm 1, there's another place too, but it says, whatever you put your hand to will prosper. That doesn't mean every time I go into the store, I, you know, I get, uh, I get uh, more change back than I deserve. Sometimes I go into the store and I get to communicate with somebody. A door's open and I feel that's prosperity to me. Amen. To where I'm able to, co to communicate, I'm able to deposit Maybe they didn't come to the Lord at that time, but yet I have deposited something in their lives, and I call that prosperity. Of course, I like the prosperity of the, of the checkbook, too. Yeah, I'm not, we're not going not gonna to deny that. But I like the prosperity of the relationships. I like the prosperity. You know, and if even somebody doesn't like me, I can still have prosperity because I've not rejected them. You know, when somebody rejects you and draws a circle and keeps you out, Bishop Hammond says, draw a bigger circle <laughs> and include them. Include prosperity. The Lord has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Turn to somebody and say, I want to please him. <laughs> I want to please him in all things. Well, if he has pleasure in your prosperity, then you being prosperous is going to please him. You know, so I, I remember I had gone through uh, counseling. Uh, we used to call it restoring the foundations. And uh, I went to Florida for this counseling, prayer ministry. And after I came back, I got a watch. It wasn't gold, gold, but it had a gold band. And one of the ladies in the church said, man, I know, I know something happened to you. <laughs> because you got a gold band on your watch. Because all I would wear before was those plastic black Casio or Timex. Now I still like to wear them especially if I'm out on the river. <laughs> you know, I have no problem with them. But before, I couldn't bring myself 
to get a, what I considered a nice watch because if you have a poverty mindset, you don't think you deserve it. And I don't even know how much that watch cost. I don't even know if it was over 50 bucks. You know, you can't even hardly get a Timex for that much, depending. The kind with no frills you might get for 19. Because <laughs> I bought one because I wanted to take it out on the river, but it, it, the band won't stay in that little thing that keeps it there. <laughs> so Melody says you get what you pay for. But God has pleasure in your prosperity. So it's not only time that we talk the talk, but it's also time that we walk the walk. Talking reveals whether our hearts are aligned with heaven. You know, uh, Jesus talked about, you know, in that prayer uh, in Matthew, it says, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Is our talk, you know, we can, pray the, we can pray that prayer, but if we never talk about kingdom things, then is our heart really there? You don't have to talk about it, but it, when, when, you're, when you're with people, are, are you wanting to bring them to the kingdom? Are you wanting to bring them to new life? Are you wanting to bring them? You don't have to make, you don't have to make the kill right then. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I remember there's been times, man, people almost come up to you and say, what must I do to be saved? And you're thinking, man, I'm good. <laughs> no, somebody else has planted, somebody else has watered, somebody else has done something, and you get to be, but sometimes you have to be the one that's breaking up the rock. Sometimes you have to be the one that's plowing. Sometimes you have to be the one that's carrying the water. I remember when I was a kid, we, my grandfather had a, had a garden and there was a creek and we used to have to carry buckets, gallon buckets. Man, back then I thought they were so heavy. And I'd be slopping water out of a gallon bucket. Of course, the, the bucket was made out of steel back in the day, not plastic. <laughs> but I remember just slopping this water, carrying, you know, now, you know, now I can carry a five gallon bucket and no problem. But you know what? Watering also took, it wasn't just the plowing, it was the watering. You had to, after you planted those tomato plants, if it wasn't raining, you had to put water on them. Those cucumber plants, we had to put water on them. So you had to carry it from the creek because we didn't have a hose long enough to go from the house. You had to carry it from the creek. But then somebody comes along later on and just picks it, picks the fruit. Picks the fruit. And it might not even be you. 
You say, oh, I never see anybody get saved. I never see it. But if you, are, if you are plowing, if you are planting, if you are watering, you're also part of the reward for what's happening. You're also part of that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So our talking in, uh, our talking in alignment with heaven releases the, the grace and the power of God as well as the angelic forces that help bring it to pass. Your talking reveals your alignment, but it also releases angelic forces to help to bring it to pass. We see that in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. It says, Are they not all ministering spirits, speaking of angels, sent forth to minister for those who shall inherit salvation. So the angels are there to minister for those who are heirs of salvation. I would say that you, you, you've uh, opened your heart to Christ. You've allowed him in. You are an heir of salvation. Therefore, the angels are waiting for you to be in agreement with heaven so that they can minister for you. For you. Thank you, Jesus. In Psalm chapter 84, Psalm chapter 84, I just want to say that there is abundant grace to walk the walk. You have to understand that grace is not what grace is not. Grace is not God's mercy. God's mercy is where he, he forgives you. God's mercy is not giving you what you deserve. God's grace is giving you what you don't deserve. God's grace is empowering you to do what he has called you to do. God, you know, you can be all that God has called you to be. And it's not dependent upon your ability. It is not dependent upon your ability. For me, I was so shy, I wouldn't talk. You know, in my family, the my survival was out of sight, out of mind. As a matter of fact, I was told kids are to be seen and not heard. I must, somebody else must have heard that. <laughs> Kids are to be seen and not heard. Back in the, back in, not everybody, but some. And so it was very difficult for me when God told me that I was going to preach for him. My response was just like Moses, no, I don't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. Sometimes every Sunday morning, I don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, but we have grace. We have grace to do what we feel like what we cannot do. If you're just doing what you can, if you're just doing what you're naturally called, what you're natural, you're not doing, you're not depending on the power of God. You got to live on the edge. You got to live knowing, you can come on up, I'll let you. 
You got to live so that you are dependent totally upon him. Or Roberts, I don't know if some of you might remember him, but uh, Or Roberts used to say, faith is getting out on the limb, getting out on the limb and sawing it off. <laughs> if that's what God told you to do. Because supernaturally, he is going to get you through. He's going to get you through. What did I say? Psalm 84, verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace. The Lord will give grace. We're not talking about mercy. The Lord will give grace. Grace to do what? Grace to empower you. The Lord will give grace and glory. You know, uh, in the New Testament where we see glory, especially uh, in the ministry of Jesus, it's every time he's done a miraculous work, it talks about God was glorified. Mm, that's good. God was glorified. So God is not just giving grace, but because of that grace, he's going to give glory so that God can be manifested so that his miraculous power can be manifested. Oh yeah, pastor, I'm waiting for you to do it. I'm waiting for you to go into the hospital and just clean it up. No, he's waiting on you too. Each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. Well, pastor, I'm just so shy. Well, that's what grace is for. To empower you to do what you don't think you can do. To empower you to do what God's called you to do. God's not going to call you to do what you can do. What God is not going to call you to do something you don't need him for. I'm tired. <laughs> God is not going to call you to do something that you are capable of doing yourself. He's going to call you to do something to where you need to trust and rely on him. You know, he might call you to get up in front of big crowds and talk to them about Jesus. Could be prophetic. Could be pathetic. Who knows? <laughs> no. God is going to call you to do something that you do not have confidence in yourself to do, but that's where we have to be confident in him. Being confident of this very thing, that, God, that the good work that he started in you, he will perform. Amen. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. So the Lord God is the sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Yeah. Something about walking, it is not a sedentary lifestyle. That means you have to move. God could have opened the Red Sea and the children of Israel could have just stood there. Sometimes God opened doors and we just stand there. No, we got to walk on through. Keep on walking. 
Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I, that word, hum, uh, to walk humbly with your God, is to not feel inferior, is to not walk with your head down, is not to uh, belittle yourself. The word to walk humbly with your God is just to be obedient to what he's asking you to do. Now, you've heard me say this before. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is to hear God and obey what he says. That's the kingdom. Right. Oh, and the fruit of the kingdom, as Ron Canoli sang, and he got it from a scripture in Romans, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Come on, everybody. Righteousness, that's the fruit of the kingdom. That's the manifestation of the kingdom. Because if you're walking in peace, you'll be able to do what you don't think you can do. You remember, uh, you weren't there, but you remember when Jesus and the disciples were in the boat? (laughs) We read about it. We talked about it. They wake Jesus and said, don't you care that we're perishing? He gets up, rebukes the wind and the sea, and then he rebukes them. (laughs) Jesus could rebuke the wind and the sea because there was peace in them. He said, peace be still. They didn't have any peace in them. But in the kingdom, we are to be walking in peace. Righteousness, peace, and joy. If I'm, not, if I'm not walking in righteousness, peace, and joy, then the manifestation of the kingdom is not there, so it's, there, it's therefore hard for me to demonstrate. Uh, you know, this, the one scripture that always kind of just really bothered me was labor to enter into rest. It's in Hebrews. Labor... To enter into rest. Well, sometimes I have to labor to enter into righteousness. Labor to enter into uh, peace. Anybody be honest. Do you, you, have you ever had to labor to enter into peace? Yes. Some people you get around and you just have to labor to get into peace. You have to righteousness, peace, and joy. Sometimes you have to labor to get into joy. But for us to manifest the kingdom, we labor to get there so that we can manifest what God has called us to manifest. Say being confident. Because I don't want you to sweat the load. <laughs> he's putting pressure on me to do something. I can feel it. That's what he's doing. He's, getting, he's putting pressure on me to do something. No, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting you to be confident that God is working. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. 
Aren't you happy? I just skipped about uh, three, uh, a quarter of my sermon there. And Psalm, <laughs> Psalm, or message, I don't like to call it sermon. In Psalm 50, verse 22, he says, Consider this, consider this uh, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces. He says, and there's none to deliver you. Whoso offers praise glorifies me. Have you ever got in a situation where you didn't feel like praising God? I won't go into the story, but when my uh, 72 VW was getting ready to get swept into the Atlantic, <laughs> I didn't feel like glorifying God, but I did it. Even as the bubbles were coming, <laughs> the bubbles were coming out of the tailpipe. One, they were going to give it one more shot, and I just and I just worship God. I praise God, and you know, that time we got it off. Hallelujah. Whoso offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright will I show the salvation of God. Sometimes we have to do it when we don't feel like it. In Psalm 37, verse 22, And the idea of this is that, how many of you know your steps are ordered of the Lord? It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his ways. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. And the reason I wanted to put that in is because God has our steps ordered, and our steps are like a blueprint. How many of you have ever worked in construction? How many of you know you have a blueprint to follow? Have you ever gone on a job site and somebody didn't follow the blueprint? Is that even possible? What happens when people don't follow the blueprint? Things get out of order, get out of whack. God has a blueprint for our lives, but it's good if we follow it. I know of a particular house. They have a, a foundation, you know, and the, and, the, and the house is supposed to sit on the foundation. But then this particular house, uh, part of the house is over about a foot, a foot and a half off of the foundation. Something about the blueprint wasn't quite followed. So you say, God, you ordered my steps. What's the problem? What's the problem, God? You ordered my steps. Do you mean you planned this for me? He's going to say, did you follow the blueprint? <laughs> did you follow the blueprint? Now, even if you don't do it according to the blueprint, he can get you back. Because yes, that house where that is, it's a foot and a half over the foundation, still being lived in. Don't even know, you wouldn't even know that it's not right, but it's still there. Hallelujah. How many of you, how many of you have done some things that were so stupid you were so ashamed of, but people don't even, can't remember it even happened? <laughs> you know, the devil tries to bring it up sometime. 
but you just tell him to keep quiet and you get your focus. See that one, that one song we sang this morning about our focus. We got to maintain our focus. Why? So that he can have the preeminence. And when he has the preeminence, we don't walk or we don't sweat the load. Hallelujah. There was a guy by the name of Jonah. He just deserves honorable mention. (laughs) But the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Was Jonah's footsteps ordered by the Lord? Did he follow the blueprint? He didn't follow the blueprint, so he had a whale of an experience. <laughs> he had, but ultimately, because God is confident, Jonah ended up where he was supposed to be. Right. He was mad about it. <laughs> Do you know that you can be in the will of God and be angry about it? Amen. Look at Jonah. He was angry about it. Let me just tell you this. For your peace of mind, just get over it. So we walk. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse, verse 7. It says we walk by faith and not by sight. So one of the things we walk in is truth. Usually we quote 3 John chapter, uh, verse 2, and we stop there. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Have you ever heard heard that scripture before? I mean, I got it memorized. But I don't have the next couple of verses memorized, so I'm going to have to read them to you. So he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. For I greatly rejoice... When brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, even as you walk in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the blueprint. You know, there's a, there's a song, which I won't sing. I'd love to, but it goes, make it easy on yourself. Most of the time we follow that rule, or we try to, but it'd be nice to make it easy on God sometimes. <laughs> if we follow the blueprint, it'd make it easier on Him. And you too, yes, as my wife so put it out. First John 1, 6. If we say we have fellowship him, walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, what's the light? The truth. As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John chapter 2, verse 11 you know, I got to get this love thing in. Turn to somebody and say love. <laughs> got to walk in love, right? It says 1 John 2, 11, but he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness. So how do I get out of the darkness? I start loving my brother. 
that would have been a good place to say, amen, man, hallelujah. Glory be to God. But he who hates his brothers in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going. Mm. Do you know where you're going? Wow, that's really good. Because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Ephesians 5.1 Therefore be imitators of God. Imitators. Anybody ever wore your parents' clothes when you were a kid? Put on your daddy's shoes, daddy's boots, whatever. Why? Because at that particular moment, you had the idea you want to be like daddy. This is what this is talking about. Be imitators of God as dear children. How do I imitate him? I walk in love. As Christ has also loved us and given himself for us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, it says, for we are his workmanship created in, Christ Je- uh, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Well, what's the walk that we're to walk in? To walk in love. To walk in the blueprint. Glory to God. This is longer than I thought. Amen. Well, you know we have to get home before one. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, it says, uh, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Hey, you're out of darkness now. Turn to somebody and say, you're awful bright today. You're awful bright today. I shouldn't say awful. That's a negative, <laughs> negative, negative expression. You're, you're pretty bright today. He says, walk as children of light. You know, we, they, we have so many things that have already happened that we don't have to make happen. We just have to walk in it. You know, I don't even have to be righteous because I've been made righteous. I don't have to be, I don't have to be blameless because I am blameless. Pastor, you mean you never sin? I never tell you about it. No, but if we walk as in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin. Do you know that even while you're sleeping, the blood of Jesus is cleansing you? John 5, 17. This is where I want to close. No, I don't want to close, but... Um, John 5, 17, it says, But Jesus answered and said, My Father has been working until now. And what that means is He has never ceased working. And Jesus said, I am working too. Remember, it is God who works in you both to will and to do. He is always working. Carissa, he's always working on you. Hallelujah. He's doing a good job. So he's never stopped. He's never done. Hallelujah. Philippians 2.12, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, as you've always obeyed in my presence, not only in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. 
both to will and to do of his. So if he's working in you and he hasn't ceased working, he's constantly working on you. Joel's just coming to let me know it's time to quit. And I've already mentioned this, but I, I, I want to rehearse it again. It says, being confident of this very thing. If God's confident and you're supposed to be like him, do you think you should be confident too? That he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. He who began a good work. He's confident. Are you confident? Are you confident that the work he started in you, you will, uh, he will fulfill in you? You know, it's time to, it's time to, I hate to say this, but it's time to stop belly gazing. What do I mean by that? I'm constantly looking inside of me at my own issues, my own things. Well, it's okay to look in if you're looking for God. Because it's God who works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. You don't have the strength to do it on your own, so he decided to move in with you. That's good. God loves me so much. This is one of my godly beliefs. God loves me so much that he decided to move in with me. How about that? I don't know about you with that New York Yankees hat. But uh, I know he loves me. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I'm sure his love is deeper than that, huh? <laughs> Glory to God. Well, I'm confident that God's working in you. I am confident that he's going to complete the good work he started in you. I am confident that even in your darkest hour, God is working in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. We all have setbacks. We all have things that drag us down. We all have things that make us wonder, but I am confident that God is going to bring us through, bring you through, bring you through. He's not going to just bring us through as an individual. He's bringing us through as a corporate body. God's church is not going down. It's coming up. He said, I will build my church in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Did we have a healing this morning? Did somebody get prayed for this morning and got healed? Is it better? Amen. Was it your back? Just before church. You know, you don't, have to, you don't even have to wait until the end of the service. What's going on around here? They're not even asking the pastor to pray. <laughs> you know, they're just asking, asking other people. Just, you know, isn't that something? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Work myself out of a job. Hallelujah. <laughs> So we already, had, we already had somebody where the pain left their back. Anybody else uh, have a need for healing? Now, that wasn't even a word of knowledge. You just asked somebody to pray for you, didn't you? She asked somebody to pray for her, and that somebody prayed for them, they got healed. Hallelujah. So anybody have, we have a, do we have prayer, uh, healing teams? We have a healing team. I'm going to ask you to come up. 
If you are, uh, if you are in need of healing, does anybody have a word of knowledge? Pain in the lower abdomen. Pain, anybody have pain in the lower abdomen? Then come on up. Left leg. Hallelujah. All right. Let me just, let me just uh, close with this. God has given an invitation. He's given an invitation for salvation, healing, deliverance. Everything he offers, he's given an invitation. We need to respond by RSVP. We need to respond, okay? If, if it's salvation, then I need to respond by believing and confessing. If, I, if it's healing, then I need to respond with that too, RSVP. I mean, you know, that God, God is the Savior of the world, but He's waiting for the RSVP of those who believe. Hallelujah. So, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you.